0: that, Lord, as we follow your promptings, Lord, as we follow what your word has instructed, Lord, that life comes as we follow your commands, Lord God. Life comes as we obey the things that you're speaking to us. Lord, we just pray for that, for your power to flow, your, your healing power to flow. Lord, in any situations, Lord, the challenges, and Lord, if there's unforgiveness, Lord, whatever it is, Lord, we just pray right now that, Lord, your, your Holy Spirit, your divine enabling grace would help us, Lord, with these things. We just thank you, God, for your plans, your purposes, your amazing love for us. Lord, we just thank you for the privilege it is to know you, to know that our our sin is washed away, not because of anything that we have done, but because of Jesus, your sacrifice for us upon the cross. And that, Lord, we have a risen Savior. We praise you, we thank you, we worship you this morning. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What an amazing God we serve. What an amazing Savior. What an amazing grace. It's a song, and it might sound just like we're saying the phrase, but we have amazing grace in Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, just thank someone, for that word of just that his his burden is easy, his yoke is easy, his burden is light. Uh, just as we're singing, I just I was just reminded of a, a book I've been reading. I, I I don't do a lot of reading, to be honest. I, I try and read some biographies and different books at times, and uh, I've just been reading a, a book at the moment called Seven Great Men or something. I can't remember exactly what it's called. But, uh, and it's been talking about, oh, the one I'm reading, I just finished reading, was about Bonhoeffer. And as, as, as I'm thinking about that, someone started praying, his yoke is easy, his burden is light. And I'm thinking, God, how does that fit? <laughs> I'm thinking, Bonhoeffer, for those of you who don't know, this is a, a, a Christian guy who in Nazi Germany stood for Christian forgiveness and the the equality of all people and was was executed for his faith and his expression of his faith in Jesus Christ and yet his yoke is easy and his burden is light I'm thinking God what's how does this fit together (laughs) but you know no matter what we might go through in this life if we, if we know that we are following Jesus, if we know we are, we are obeying God's prompting, we will go through hard times. We will have hardships. We will have trials. And those things aren't necessarily easy. But the, the life that comes from being yoked to Christ, to know that He is our Saviour, our King, to be under His covering, to be in His family, to be one of His children, is to know that we have a Father in heaven who loves us. And there is no greater joy, there is no greater peace, there's no greater, there's no, I'm reluctant to say, easier thing than to know that God is on your side, no matter what you might go through. There's a a tension in it, but His yoke is easy, His burden is light, but also I want to say this morning that God wants to use you in a way that maybe you can't even see. You, you can't even believe that God wants to use you. And yet His yoke is easy, His burden is light. As you trust Him, as you step out in faith, as you're obedient to those promptings, He's speaking to your heart. To so those things that you just know, that you know, that you know is right. I believe life and blessing are going to find those things. I just want to encourage you in that this morning. I know in this room right now, there are people who have had tough weeks. There's things been happening, and it's just been a hard week. And there's others that this week, you've come to salvation, and we celebrate with you. We we rejoice with those who rejoice, and we weep with those who are weeping this morning. We kind of, we have multi-personalities all at once, don't we? (laughs) But God wants to use you, no matter what situation you're in at this time, no matter where you've been, no matter where you are. God wants to use you. I just want to pray for that right now. God, I thank you for your love for every person in this room. I thank you, Jesus, for those that who may feel so, so distant from you right now, God, that maybe even there's something in their life that, that they know has been uh, against you or against others, Lord, and, and maybe they feel like that uh, there's a barrier between you and God, between them and you, Lord. And I just thank you right now that, God, you... Your desire is to remove that barrier this morning, that we might have relationship and intimacy with you, and that, Lord, it's all possible because of Jesus Christ. Lord, let pray for your encouragement, that we would step out in faith, that we would trust you, that we would walk in your ways. For your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I just remembered, I forgot my clicker. Could someone bring me my clicker? That would be wonderful. We're going to continue this morning in the book of Nehemiah. Um, I hope you're enjoying Nehemiah. I hope you've been reading through it as well um, to, to discover more of Nehemiah. Thanks Richard for that. Um, we're going to continue this morning in the book of Nehemiah and we're up to part 6 and it's chapter 6 this morning. And if you've got your Bibles there, I encourage you to open it up. We're going to read through chapter 6 of Nehemiah. Thank you, Lord. Okay, here's some Thank flicking. I'll be patient and, and kind. I, I don't know who told me the story. I'm sure I've shared it before. I remember hearing a guy talking about how. Um, no, I'm not going to share that story. It'll take too long. <laughs> <laughs> Verse 1. <laughs> you ask me later. Sunbala. <laughs> Tobiah Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall, and that no gaps remained, though we had not yet set up the doors in the gates. So Sambalat and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them at one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But I realized that they were plotting to harm me, so I replied by sending this message to them. I am engaged in a great work so I cannot come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? Four times they sent the same message, and each time I gave the same reply. The fifth time, Sambalat's servants came with an open letter in his hand, and this is what it said. There is a rumor among the surrounding nations, and Geshem tells me it's true, that you and the Jews are planning to rebel, and this is why you are building the wall. According to his reports, you plan to be their king, He also reports that you have appointed prophets in Jerusalem to proclaim about you. Look, here is a king in Judah. You can be very sure that this report will get back to the king. So I suggest that you come and talk it over with me. Persuasive words, hey. I replied, there is no truth in any part of your story. You are making up the whole thing. They were just trying to intimidate us, imagining they could discourage us. I love that, imagining they could discourage us. And stop the work. So I continued the work with even greater determination. Later I went to visit Shemaiah, son of Deliah, and his grandson, Methatabul, who was confined to his home. He said, let us meet together inside the temple of God and bolt the doors shut. Your enemies are coming to kill you tonight. But I replied, should someone in my position run from danger? Should someone in my position enter the temple to save his life? No, I won't do it. I realized that God had not spoken to him, but that he uttered this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sambalat had hired him. They were hoping to intimidate me and make me sin. Then they would be able to accuse and discredit me. Remember, O my God, all the evil things that Tobiah and Sambalat have done. I remember Nadiah, the prophet, and all the prophets like her who have tried to intimidate me. So on October 2, the wall was finished, just 52 days after the wall, after we had begun. When our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. They realized this work had been done with the help of our God. During these 52 days, many letters went back and forth between Tobiah and the nobles of Judah. For many in Judah had sworn allegiance to him because his father-in-law, Shechaniah, son of Arar, and his son Jehaniah, I've picked a great passage for names, haven't I, was married to the daughter of Meshalam, the son of Berechiah. They kept telling me about Tobiah's good deeds, and then they told him everything I said. And Tobiah kept sending threatening letters to intimidate me. You know what? Before, during, and after, Satan looks to steal, kill, and destroy. Before the war is won, during the war, and after the battle is even finished, Satan looks to steal, kill, and destroy. Can we grab the slides up there? Thank you. Did you realize, do you acknowledge, do you see day by day that we live in a spiritual battle? This war we wage is not against flesh and blood. There is a spiritual battle going on in this city right now. There is a spiritual battle going on on this earth right now. And I believe Nehemiah saw the spiritual battle that was going on. He knew that he didn't war against people. He didn't war against flesh and blood Satan's plan since the beginning had to be to wipe out his, his people, God's people, Israel. God's, God had raised up a nation and Satan's plan was to wipe them out. When Moses was born and, and rising up to, to free his people from Egypt, what did Satan do? He, he led the Pharaoh to execute every Jewish baby that was born, every boy. And just a short time before Nehemiah, we see in Esther that Naaman tries to wipe out the people of Israel. But God is faithful. God is stronger. God is greater. But we live in a spiritual battle. I just wonder, are we having issues there? Maybe, I wonder if Hayden or someone might be able to help out there. That'd be great if I can get that going. I just want to read to you from Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. A final word... Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers of this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. The enemy comes before, during, and after. And even after the battle, we need to continue to put on God's armour that we might still be standing firm after the battle is won. Now, before I went to Papua New Guinea in 2001, uh, I, I believed this scripture, I believe the Word of God is true, but I didn't understand anything of the spiritual nature of the battle we face. Um, in in Australia we talk about uh, magic and stories about Harry Potter and and different mythical things and we think oh that's all lovely fantasy world but you know there is an an evil dark world, there is is a, a, a black magic, there is satanic powers, there are demonic forces in this world if you've been to a nation like Papua New Guinea and you've met people that are involved in those things, they are real I was blown away to hear testimonies of, of people who come to Christ and, and the way they were involved in witchcraft and different things in Papua New Guinea. And, but they saw God move, his spirit moving, and they said, what is this? They recognized the, the, the supernatural power and, and they just said, what we have is, is dark, it is nothing, it just brings fear, but this power brings life. And they totally surrendered to God and God broke those things off. You know, we don't have to allow thoughts of those things to hold on to our life. If we are in Christ, we are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come and there is no power that can overcome what God has done in our lives. You can declare it, you can claim it and we can walk in that freedom. Still having issues up there. <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 says the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world on the contrary they have divine power to demolish strongholds we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of god and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to christ can we say amen to that do we do that are we are we day by day aiming to do that to make every thought captive to christ and say god lead me in this thought lord change this thought in me. God, bind up this thought, let it not come to me again. Are we we giving our thoughts to Christ and letting them be submitted to him? Sambala tried to get Nehemiah to meet with him. Five times he sent messages saying, come on, you've got to meet with me. Come on, you've got to meet with me. Come on, you've got to meet with me. But Nehemiah realized his plan. And then the the fifth time he comes and he he reads the open letter and he says, I have heard there is a rumour. I don't like that line ever. (laughs) I have heard there is a rumour. Do you remember, think back to school days. I wonder how many of you might relate to a story like this. But I wonder how many of us remember back to school days and, and you might fit yourself in any part of this story and that's okay, we forgive you if you're the... Anyway, um, (laughs) I remember back to school days and uh, I wonder if you ever ever saw someone that was really good at something. They were just such a a great mathematician. Maybe they were really good at story writing. Maybe they were a great runner. But there was someone in the class who, they just got jealous. You could just tell that they were just jealous of that person. So they decided to just make up whatever rumor they could, whatever story they could, just to steal their joy. You know, kids can be so cruel, (laughs) Adults can be so cruel. And they they just spread a rumour. It's like, uh, I have this memory of, uh, well, vague memories of bits and pieces that probably come together to make one memory, but I don't know. But of of, of people making up stories and and teasing people. It's like, you know that line, he loves her, he loves her. Did anyone ever hear that at school? Anyone ever? Anyone? And rumours... And, and, and lies of the enemy that try and distract and distort the truth can be crippling. Which brings me to point number one from Nehemiah 6. We live in a spiritual battle. Be careful what voice you listen to. If there's nothing else that we can learn from Nehemiah, let's be careful what voice we listen to. Right from the beginning of Nehemiah, there's, there's messages and there's, there's voices speaking. But let's be careful what voice we listen to. It says in verse 9, in, in response to what uh, he hears, these me- messages reading the open letter, he replies, There is no truth in any part of your story. you are making up the whole thing. And it says they were just trying to intimidate us, imagine they could discourage us and stop the work. So I continued the work with even greater determination. Let's be people that dig into God and, 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 and pray and just continue the work with even greater determination. Whatever it is you're doing there, whatever it is you're you're trying to see breakthrough in. Don't let those lies distract and distort the truth. Let's press in and, and continue with even greater determination. You know, Jesus had his opposition too. Jesus had his his people that came to speak and even to uh, help him to do the right thing. And he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. He had people that uh, mocked him, people that persecuted him, people who told him he was crazy, people who told him he was possessed. And yet he didn't listen to those voices. He just continued on with greater determination. In John 15, he tells us that I was persecuted, and so will you be. Let's be ready for it. Let's not be surprised, but let's just press in with even greater determination. A second point from Nehemiah chapter 6, we need to know our father's voice. You know, this morning I was aware of my son's voice. I was aware of my son's voice. But I was also thinking, um, I wonder... Anyone probably who's a parent here, anyone who's had a a son or daughter, um, you can probably relate to this feeling of going to the one place in the house where you think maybe you can have some peace and quiet. You close that door and you just sit. (laughs) You know, the toilet is a great escape if you haven't learnt that yet. But somehow, kids, they find you (laughs) anywhere. And that's wonderful if you're listening, kids, through that door. (laughs) That's wonderful that our kids know our voice. They can track us down. They have an amazing radar to find you wherever you are in the house. You can hide away anywhere. Just try to have a little bit of peace and quiet. Not that I do this often. (laughs) But we need to know our Father's voice. I wonder how many of us have had a phone call at times and we start talking to the person. They don't say who they are. And they just start talking and you're going, who on earth is this? Has anyone ever had that experience? I know I've know i even had our kids ring up and I think, which one is it? I've just got to work out which one is On the phone, they're just so hard to tell apart. I know at times I rang up mum and I, I was, she asked me how uni was and I was still at school and I'm thinking, I don't think she's worked out who this is. But we need to know our father's voice. And how do we get to know someone's voice? It's about spending time with them. It's about, uh, it's a, it's about listening to them. That's why it's so important to have routines in our life that, that we read God's Word, that we pray, that we learn to hear God's voice in our life. That's why we did a whole series this time last year on hearing from God, the voice of God. It's so important that we know the voice of God, that we have patterns in our life that help us stop and hear and learn and, and know His voice, to know His Spirit's prompting in us. I want to read to you from... Uh, John chapter 10, verse 7. Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I love that verse. That that verse, not on its own, but nearly brought me to salvation in itself. I am the good shepherd. The good sheep, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. You know, straight after this passage, they go on and say, Oh, Jesus, you're demon possessed. How can you say these things? How can you say that you're the gate? How can you say you're the way? How can you say anyone who comes to me will have life? And yet others acknowledge the miracles. They acknowledge what Jesus has done and they find life even in that moment. They they recognize who Jesus is. We need to know his voice. It goes on in verse 10. after he continues working with greater determination. And there's more lies, there's more deception. When Shemaiah prophesies over him, and Nehemiah straight away says, this word is not from God. He discerns that this is not from God. And we need to weigh up every word that is spoken to us. We need to weigh up every word that's spoken from this platform. I ask you, please weigh up every word I speak. And if you have an issue with something, I say, write it on your care card, Andrew. Can we talk? <laughs> we need to weigh up every word of prophecy. There has been words of prophecy, I know, that have been spoken over people, even in this church, that has caused a stumbling block for you at times. And we need to weigh them up. We, need, we, we have the right. We, have, we are called to weigh up every word of prophecy and, and test every word that's spoken. But Nehemiah hangs on to what he knows to be true. I just wonder if maybe Nehemiah went to bed that night, uh, claiming some of the, the prophecies that had been spoken over his people. Uh, maybe even Isaiah 43. This is what here we are. This is what the Lord says: Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake, I will send to Babylon, remembering that they've been exiled to Babylon, and now they're going back to Jerusalem. For your sake, I'll send to Babylon and bring down as fugitives all the Babylonians in the ships in which they took pride. And that's exactly what happened. The king of Persia comes in and we read in Ezra that in the favour Cyrus had and actually is moved by God to send the people back to Jerusalem. I am the Lord, your holy one, in Israel's creator and king. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters... Who drew out the chariots and horse, the army and the reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The, The wild animals will honor me the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Nehemiah knew this word from God, that, that God had spoken and said, I, I, I rescued my people from Egypt. I was able to lead them through the, through the waters, but forget all that. I'm doing a new thing. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to make a way for you. And I think Nehemiah might have gone to bed that night just saying, God, I thank you for that word. I thank you, Lord, for the prophecies you've spoken to our our people. And we need to know the words that God has spoken to us. And how do we find them? We open his word. We read it. We find it. We claim it. Let's pray it into our lives. He just commits it to God and he prays. But I also want to say, our fourth point, be careful... Sorry, our third point, God is able to do the miraculous. (laughs) Our fourth point, be careful what voice you become. Be careful what voice you become. I wonder if Shemaiah realized what he was saying. it, It says Nehemiah... Uh, believed that he'd been paid by Tobiah and, and the other guys to speak these words. But I wonder where, he, where his heart was at in these things. And we need to be careful the words that we speak in other people's lives. We need to be careful what words we prophesy even as we speak over people's lives. I want to read to you from James chapter 3, verse 3 to 10. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even when the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessings and cursing come from pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Let us hold our tongue when we need to hold our tongue. Let us be so careful the words that we speak proverbs eighteen twenty one says the tongue has the power of life and death let 's be ones who speak words of life and near my praise, and then we read in verse fifteen on October two the walls the wall was finished just fifty two days after we had begun this wall is about four kilometres long. It's high, it's thick, it's, it's been built where there's just been rubble and ruins. After 52 days, the walls are finished. The victory has been won. They are excited. And we go on to read for the next ten verses that Nehemiah begins to praise God about the blessings that come from the walls being built, how God helped them. Actually, no, that's not what happened. <laughs> that's not what you read for the next ten verses. We have a brief statement after it says the walls are finished. And we have one verse that says, and that the nations around were, were humiliated and filled with fear. And then Nehemiah goes back in his thinking. He starts telling us again about the letters that went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. All these letters of, of deceit and lies and, and intimidation and the threats that were spoken over him. You know, the walls are finished. And I'm thinking, oh, yes, he's going to start celebrating and praising God and talking about the wonderful blessings of the walls and how God's helped them. But he goes back to thinking about the letters, the, the, the words spoken, the, the accusations, the intimidation from Tobiah. You know, Satan is a roaring lion. He roars and he roars and he roars and he roars and he speaks and he tries to fill our minds with lies and, and to shift our focus. God gives grace to the humble. I want to read to you from 1 Peter chapter 5. Sorry, we're skipping around a little bit this morning. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, the second part of it. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, He will restore, support, and strengthen you, and He will place you on a firm foundation. All power to Him forever. Amen. Maybe you need to claim that today. He will restore, support, and strengthen you. He will. It's God's Word. It's a promise. He will do it. All power to Him forever. Amen. Let's remember those things. God has called you to share in His eternal glory, that we can be in His heavenly kingdom forever as His heirs, as His sons and daughters. God has called each and every one of us. Even if we don't know Him yet as our Savior, today He's calling you and saying, Come, see what I have done for you. Give your life to me. Invite me into your life to be your Lord and Savior. And you can know forgiveness. You can know the hope that he brings. God has called you, but Satan is a roaring lion who wants to try and steal, kill and destroy. He looks for opportunities before, during and after. Every battle. But our God is greater. Our God is stronger. Our God is able. And Romans 8 tells us there is nothing that can separate us from his love. Maybe you need to claim that one. Look it up, Romans eight. Claim it, read it morning and night. Just like Satan did with Nehemiah, Satan wants to distract, disturb, and stop you from from first of all seeing God's promises and coming to salvation. He doesn't want anyone to be saved. As opposed to God wants all people to have a revelation of who he is and be saved. If Satan can't stop you coming to salvation, he's going to try and accuse you and say, oh, but you've messed it up now and, and, and try and question the, the whole experience of your salvation. Who's going to try and try and deceive and steal, kill and destroy once you have that salvation. And if you know you're saved, then he, he's going to say, yeah, but say, you're saved, but you're just saved by the skin of your teeth and uh, you can't have joy, you can't have hope, you can't, you can't be used by God. And he's going to try and steal the calling God has for your life. You know, before, during, and after, Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy, but our God is greater. We can bring those thoughts to God. We can submit them to Christ and let him take them captive. And we can run and not grow weary. We can walk and not faint. You know, that promise in Isaiah 40 verse 31 is a promise to his people in that same part of uh, Isaiah that we read from before. We can run and not grow weary. We can walk and not faint i am jumping all over my notes, but God is able. (laughs) He wants to steal your joy, your conviction, your life. But Jesus came that you might have life and life to the full. Now, before I was saved, I I did not know where my life was going. I did not see what purpose I had in this life. But when God... When I understood who God was and I gave my life to Him, I could not explain why I was so happy. I just couldn't explain it. A sixth point from Nehemiah chapter 6 is let's choose to remember God's love, His power, and His grace. Let's choose to celebrate. Let's choose to remind one another. Let's choose to rem- to come together and celebrate and remind each other what God has done for us. His love, His power, and His grace. A couple of weeks ago, Mike was sharing about Eddie the Eagle. And we're going to finish with a little story about someone else. Um, I wonder what memories come to your mind if I say the name Stephen Bradbury. And for anyone who's too young, actually that was back in 2002, so if you were, anyway, 14, yeah, you might not remember this. Stephen Bradbury, you've probably seen it. The ice skater, speed skater. And he's in the Olympic final after all his opponents crashed out in the semi-final. And he's, he's lined up at the final and he's in the race um, as the Aussies cheering him on. Go, Steve! He drops back and he drops back and he drops back. But then we know what happens. The others will fall over and... Uh, but it's, just not, it's not the same unless you see it, is it? So let's watch the little clip. <laughs> Thanks, guys. We got sound? Let's, let's just rewind to make sure we get all that. In the final... Can we just rewind?
1: Excellent. I wasn't all that nervous going into the final. I was uh, excited to be in the final and I knew that you know I'd, I'd had a, a, a fair amount of luck to get from the semi-finals to the final and I was just out there soaking out the atmosphere and, and hoping that I could skate well. The goals I had for myself for Salt Lake were quite simply just to skate what I thought was my best and satisfy myself. On paper I was probably at best, maybe the eighth best skater in the field. Some of the things that have happened to me throughout my skating career have been, uh, I guess, a roller coaster ride is a good way to describe it. And I only went to Salt Lake because I didn't feel I'd skated my best at the previous three Olympics before that. Basically just took up the tactic. Well, my best chance here is only, it's only a very minimal chance, but I'm just going to stay out of the way, and that way, if anything does happen, then I'll be there to capitalise. I ended up dropping off the, the back of the other four guys with about two laps to go and uh, ended up being 15 or 20 metres down when uh, yeah, the chaos happened and everybody fell down. Uh, the way I won the race I wasn't going to be the guy that uh, you know, went around pumping the air and, and punching his fists around everywhere and, uh, and waving his arms around I just sort of put my arms up in a, in disbelief and and uh, have a look of what the hell's going on here in my face a lot of emotions all at once and some of them were I guess a little hard for me to, to deal with and they still are so, and, uh, you know I've got the gold medal and just a bit like that I guess Winner of the, gold medal representing Australia, Stephen Bradbury. the medal ceremony is Something that I will always remember for a number of different reasons, but the main one being that I was having trouble uh, dealing with it the way that I won the race. And and sure, I I won the gold medal, but I wasn't the strongest skater out there. And and I was—I would have liked to have been the guy who won the race because I was the strongest, and I didn't feel 100% right about it all. And the medal ceremony uh, just expelled all those feelings as soon as the flag went up and the anthem started playing it was like there was nobody else in the stadium and it was just a couple of minutes for me so yeah, it was pretty good
0: fantastic there we go you know what before during and after he was the underdog before during and after i reckon people would have been saying to him you know what mate you're not you're not good enough to win you're not good enough to get there and even when he gets there he's thinking i'm not good enough i'm just going to sit at the back And, you know, he wins the thing. And I'm sure there would have been voices saying, yeah, you didn't really even win though, mate. You didn't even really win that medal. You know, before, during and after, there were the voices saying, you're not a winner, mate. But, you know, what? I listened to another clip and he talks about his journey and the 12 years of intense training, the three other Olympic Games he went to before that the agony he put himself through, the, the, the wounds from those skates he'd, he'd had and the, the stitches, his broken neck 18 months before that Olympic Games. And he and says in the other, another video I saw, uh, I might even anyway, he, he didn't win because he was the greatest, but because he, he continued on. He continued the race. And we aren't the strongest we, we, are, we are frail, we are weak, we, we mess up, but Jesus has won the victory. Before, during, and after, we might have liars come and accuse us and say, you're not good enough, God, God can't rescue you, God, God doesn't care about you. But we have the victory, not because we're good enough, but because Jesus has won the victory for us. And we just need to continue in faith to stand firm with the armour of God and run the race that he has set before us to continue on to receive the prize in which He has called us. you know, Voices will come, voices will accuse you, voices will say you can't, voices will say God won't care for you, you've messed it up, but carry on in faith. Let's be people of faith. Let's press in to God's voice and be people of faith for God's glory. Satan tries to distract, but let's press in to God's voice. To be people of faith, to speak words of faith, and be for God's glory. Ask the band to come. And we're going to finish this morning with a song. I'm not not even going to ask people to to come forward for prayer this morning, although if you really would like prayer, please do come. (laughs) This isn't saying we're not going to pray for people if you'd like prayer. But we're going to sing a song one way. I'll lay my life down at your feet. I can't think the next line. You're the only one I need. I turn to you because you are always there. And we might have voices come. We might have, have lies that come and, and say you're not good enough. We might have things accuse us. But let's not even think about those things. Let's submit those thoughts to Christ and just praise our God for he is God. Let's praise Jesus because he is our Savior. And let's stand firm in what he has done. Let's live this one way in Jesus' name. Amen.